Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and I want to welcome you to the show. I'm glad that you're joining me on this episode. We're in the midst of a series on this podcast where we're looking at what it means to live a Jesus-centered life. And if you're a first-time listener to the Bible in Life podcast, this is a great series to jump in on because I think this is just absolutely crucial for us to think about if we want to be disciples of Jesus. Like living our life where everything revolves around Jesus is crucial to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So welcome. I am glad you're here. If you're a longtime listener of the podcast, uh, welcome to you as well. So glad you're a part of the Bible and Life family. If you're a financial supporter of this show and the entire online ministry, then thanks a ton. I could not do this without you. And so uh, blessings on you for your faithful support to the Bible and Life podcast, the listener's commentary, and this entire online ministry. All right, let's jump in and talk about another key component of living a Jesus-centered life. And to do that, uh, I just want you to think for a second about all the different inputs that you get messages from every day, right? Like all the different voices, all the different messages that, that we hear on a daily basis, right? Like so many different news outlets. I mean, obviously you have the, the, the well-known mainstream news outlets and you, you, but then you have sort of these upstart news companies that you read their articles on social media or whatever else, uh, as you're scrolling through your, uh, social media feed. There's other articles coming your ways about various topics or various opinions or various bits of advice or various things you should think about. Uh, as you look through your social media feed, right, there's quotes and there's ideas and there's memes, there's posts and there's reels on social media. Um, you have all your friends sharing all their ideas on your social media and social media is just a huge like stream of input and voices and ideas and opinions. In fact, in 2020, um, it said that on average, people spent two and a half hours per day on social media. Now, some obviously spent way more than that, some spent way less than that, but that was the average, two and a half hours a day just scrolling through social media. Uh, email, think about all the emails you, you get in the course of a week or a day. In fact, Worldwide, there are over 320 billion, catch that, 320 billion emails sent worldwide every day. That's a lot of emails. Um, I couldn't find the exact numbers for, you know, how many people get on an average day, and maybe it's because it varies so much. But just think about all those emails, 320 billion emails sent worldwide a day. Uh, uh, 2021 estimates put the number of ads that people saw each day between six to 10,000. Ads that popped up on social media, ads that popped up on YouTube, ads on TV, ads via email, uh, ads on billboards or whatever else it was, right? Like six to 10,000 advertisements a day on average people uh, saw in 2021. 
then you have voices like just the movies we watch, the TV shows we watch, whether we watch uh, on regular TV or Netflix or Hulu, all those things communicate opinions, ideas, visions of life, values, and whatnot. We People spend tons of time watching things on YouTube. We listen to podcasts like this one, right? We're just bombarded with information and sales pitches and opinions and ideas and images and visions uh, of all different kinds over the course of a day. And so many of those, tons of them, have something to say about what's important in life, how we do life, why we exist, what a good life is. Uh, and because so much of it is all right there on our phone, it's just like a steady stream in our face all the time. And then you think about the various like forms of print media, books and magazines and all the different kinds of print media that we might ourselves still consume. Uh, I mean, if you go to Amazon and you, you search for self-help books, I mean, like, you'll be there, it seems like, all day, just scrolling page after page after page of self-help books. And then there's books that just give, you know, advice for business, advice for leadership, advice for making money, whatever it is, right? Like, just tons and tons of voices and voices and voices all day, every day. And so if we're going to live a Jesus-centered life, we're going to have to come to terms with this. We're going to have to, in some way, discipline ourselves concerning who we listen to, what we fill our mind with, how we evaluate all the various kinds of things we hear. Um, if we're, we really, truly want to have our life deeply attached to Jesus and centered on him, we're going to have to somehow confront and deal with all the voices that speak to us every single day of the week. So on this podcast, I just want to look at just three passages of Scripture fairly quickly to, to force us to think about where we get our advice for life from. And again, this is not probably new information, but it's good for us just to pause and think about it and put it in the context I'm trying to put it in here. So for example, Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. If you're familiar at all with the Proverbs, this may be one of the more familiar Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Just think about what this proverb is saying to us. Trust in the Lord don't lean on your own understanding. Notice how those two in the first couple lines of the proverb are contrasted with each other. Like there's trusting in the Lord and then there's your own understanding. Think about that phrase, your own understanding. That's, that's your opinions about how life should go. Your opinions about how your life should work out. Your opinions about the best way to handle a situation. That's your understanding. That's following your own heart. That's being true to yourself. That's listening to, you know, well, I think I know what's best here. That's right. Like all the kinds of things that so often um, we're told to do. Like you got to follow your heart. You got to be true to yourself. 
you know, you know your situation the best. And so you really just need to just kind of go with it. You know, you're smart. You figure it out. Just do your own thing. Your understanding. Uh, and that's contrasted here with trusting the Lord. And so in that and that pairing of those two, two ideas, trusting the Lord has to do with his wisdom, his understanding, his values, his smarts about life. Like, trust him. Listen to him. Don't lean on your own understanding. Instead, you lean on the Lord's understanding, right? That would be the, the point of that contrast. Trust the Lord and you do so with all your heart. And the heart in biblical language here, the Old Testament, we're dealing with Hebrew, so lev in Hebrew, heart uh, has to do with the control center of the person. It's not just the emotions, uh, feelings, that's not what we primarily mean by the heart. We mean like that which controls you as a person being, the center of you. It somewhat overlaps with the English word will, uh, but it's even deeper and bigger than that. It's like the control center of the person. So with everything that controls your being, trust in the Lord and his understanding and his wisdom. Don't lean on your own understanding. If you do that, look at the promise. He says this in the second half of the proverb. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. So part of trusting in the Lord with all your heart is acknowledging him in all your ways, in all the directions of your life, in all the paths of your life, in all the decisions you have to make, right? In every choice you have to make, acknowledge him, recognize him, look to him. What would the Lord say about this? What is his his teaching, his understanding, his guidance, his instructions say about this? How would the Lord handle this situation? What would the Lord do in this situation? In all your ways, acknowledge him. And then the promise is, he will make your path straight. Like He will actually straighten out the course of your life and make your path straight. And the point of the ideas of your path straight is that, again, your, your life will actually begin to go in a smooth, straight path. That's the point of that imagery. And so trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Or here's another passage of scripture that speaks to this same subject. Psalm chapter one, verses one through three says this. It's the opening to the entire collection of Hebrew poems known as the Psalm. And it's a wisdom Psalm, Psalm one is. And it says, blessed is the person who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. Um, what's the counsel of the wicked? Well, in the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms speaks in pretty much, because it's poetry, it speaks in very stark terms. So you have the wicked and you have the righteous, almost as absolute categories in the Psalms. And now we know in real life, those categories aren't absolute, right? Like no person really is 100% wicked and none of us are 100% righteous. So what is the psalmist getting at when he uses these kinds of categories? Well, what he means really are the righteous are those that are God's people. They know God and they're known by God and they know God's truth and God's ways, right? The wicked are those that are apart from God and outside of God and they don't know God's ways. They kind of do their own thing. Well, so to walk in the counsel of the wicked is to follow, go about your life according to the advice and the opinions of those who are apart from God, who are not doing, whose opinions and whose advice and counsel isn't in keeping with the wisdom and the will and the word of God. That's what it means. And so um, what this psalmist is saying is, um, 
you want to know how to have a blessed life. You want to be a blessed person. Well, one of the keys to that is not going about your life according to the advice and the opinions of people who don't know God or don't give advice in sync with God's wisdom and God's ways. Um, so you don't, they're giving you advice from their own opinions. They're giving advice from human wisdom, human understanding, not God's, right? Don't do that, he says. Don't do that. But the person, this blessed person, instead of getting their advice for life from the wicked, from sinners, from scoffers, they get their advice from a life where? Well, look at verse 2. Uh, it says, how blessed is the person who doesn't walk this way, but, verse 2, his delight, this person's delight, her delight, his or her delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, God's law, he meditates day and night. And so this blessed person doesn't get their advice for life from the wicked. They get their their wisdom for life, their guidance for life from the law of the Lord. And the word law, Torah, again in Hebrew, um, often we think of law, what we think are just rules. And obviously that's one kind of law, but the word Torah is broader than that. It means instruction. It means guidance. That's why oftentimes in the Torah, in the law of Moses, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and those places, oftentimes God's law is also described as God's way, God's path, right? Uh, it's his way of doing life. It's his wisdom. It's his guidance. It's his instruction for life. And so this person doesn't get their advice for life from the counsel of the wicked. Instead, they get their their they're the thing they delight in, the thing they revel in and they celebrate in, where they find the, their, their guidance and wisdom for life in is in God's instruction, God's teaching, God's guidance. So much so that the second half of verse 2 says that they, on his law, they meditate day and night. Like they're constantly meditating on God's word, God's teaching, God's instruction. And to meditate just means to reflect on, to ruminate on, to kind of chew it up, to even speak it out loud to yourself as you're maybe driving around in your car or you're walking down the street, you're thinking about God's word and you're saying it to yourself. And this word now is just a part of you. You're saturated with it and you, you think about it all the time. You can quote it to yourself. You can ponder the implications of it. Imagine what it might looks like, look like to live it out. Um, meditate on the law of God. Um, one of the points of contrast between verse 1 and verse 2 is, is this, that God's word provides accurate information about life and the, the advice of the wicked actually provides misinformation about life. Like, do you want true and accurate information about life? Well, then you better delight in the law of the Lord. Because if you're going to go with the your own understanding, if you're going to go with culture, the world around you's understanding, well, that's going to be misinformation. Occasionally they might get it right, but there's going to be a lot of getting it wrong in there too. And so there's, there's some uh, misinformation about life that comes from the wicked. Um, and what's the result then? Well, what's the result of meditating on the law of the Lord, uh, delighting in the law of the Lord, soaking yourself in it is described in verse three. Here's the result. And so here is a picture of 
the blessed person's life as a result of saturating their life with the instruction and guidance of God. Look at verse 3. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf doesn't wither, and everything he does, he prospers. Um, in other words, this person's life is flourishing um, because they're delighting in the law of the Lord, because they're meditating on it. It provides this stream of water that enables them to grow and be fruitful and productive and not wither. Like they're, they're, They are drawing life-giving nutrients and life-giving wisdom from the instruction of God, and their life is thus flourishing. And that's the idea of prosper here in verse 3. It's to flourish. It's to flourish. It's this tree that is actually fulfilling its God-designed purpose. It's this tree that is healthy and vibrant and living as it's, it should. It's flourishing. Um, and Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, the reason a human being can be like that kind of tree is because it delights in and meditates on the law of the Lord. Now, as we noted at the outset, the average person, uh, it, according to statistical studies, spends about two and a half hours per day on social media. You want to know what's fascinating? If you took just 15 minutes a day, just 15 minutes per day, you could actually... Most people, depending, obviously, we, we all read a little bit different pace. But on average, 15 minutes per day will enable you to read the entire Bible in a year. But most Christians rarely ever read the, the whole Bible. They hardly ever read the Bible at all, actually. Um, and, and how in the world can we experience this flourishing life next to streams of water? How, how can we say we delight in the Word of God? If we never spend any time with it, like two and a half hours on social media, when we could just take 15 minutes out of those two and a half hours and we would actually read the whole Bible in a year. Um, that's, that's surprising, right? And where do we get our advice for life from? What are we listening to? Which voices are we filling our heart and our mind and our soul with? Which voices are we thinking about and meditating on? Speaking of social media, have you ever seen a Christian you know well, somebody that you know well, sharing something on social media that kind of sounded all right, sounded good, uh, and yet they should know better because a basic reading of the Bible would have made it clear that what they posted wasn't in keeping with Jesus' worldview. Like they share somebody else's meme or share somebody else's post and they are like sharing it in an affirming sort of way. And it said the a basic reading of the Bible would have said, no, that's not in keeping with Jesus' worldview. Not there's Obviously, there's different opinions on some things, but we're talking just clear teachings. It's, sometimes I, I see things that Christians who should know better, because I know them well, post things. I'm like, dude, that that is not even in sync with how Jesus views humanity. Jesus views the world. Jesus would deal with that situation. Um and so listen to these words from Jesus, John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. John, or Jesus, in this context, has a crowd gathered around him, and, and some members of that crowd, Jewish people, because he's speaking in Israel, right? So some of the people in that crowd have recently put their faith in him. Here's what John 8, 31 and 32 says. It says, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, 
then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, that, what Jesus is saying here is really important. When he says, continue in my word, the word translated continue there is the same word that's translated remain or abide in John 15. We talked about that on last week's episode on the podcast, John 15. It's the same word. It's abide. It's uh, remain. It's put your roots down deep and plant yourself there. That's the idea that you're you're rooted in his teaching. You remain in it. You abide. Picture that, like abiding in Jesus' teaching. You're just dwelling in it. It's the environment in which you live. It fills the space in which you live. It occupies your mind and your heart because you're occupied with it. You remain in it. You continue in it. So if you continue in my word, Jesus' teachings, then you are truly, really my disciples. And here's the result. You will know the truth. What's truth? Truth is when something that somebody says or believes lines up with the way things actually are. That's truth, right? You make a statement and either it matches up with the way things are or it doesn't. Uh, you believe something and either it lines up with reality, the way things actually are, or it doesn't, right? Truth is when a statement or a belief lines up with the way things actually are. Well, Jesus says, look, if you, if you abide in my teaching and you remain in it and you are connected to it and you're filled with it, then the result is you're going to know the truth. You're going to know the way the world really is. You're going to know who you really are. You're going to know who God really is. You're going to know how to do the way relationships are meant to really be handled. You're going to know the truth about life. And the result of that will be this truth will actually lead you into freedom. It'll set you free to live the kind of life that God designed you and created you to live. In other words, Jesus is claiming to be able to lead us into the truth, true information about life and the world and humanity and all of that. Here's the way Dallas Willard said it. If you're not familiar with Dallas Willard, um, he was the a philosophy professor at the University of Southern California and a very devoted Christian, wrote a ton of books on spiritual growth and spiritual formation. Here's one of the things he said uh, that I think pertains to this statement by Jesus. He said, Jesus brings us, when we, if we believe Jesus leads us into the truth, this, this is what it means. It means Jesus brings us reliable information about who we are, why we're here, and what the humanly appropriate motives are for doing whatever it is we do. I catch that. Jesus brings us reliable information, in other words, about life. Now, if if we believe that, if you and I believe that Jesus actually brings us reliable, true, trustworthy information about how to do life, how would somebody know that? Like somebody just observing your life, somebody watching your life, how would they know that you believed Jesus actually brings reliable information about how to do life? Well, the way somebody would know that is because they could see you um, putting Jesus' teachings into practice. They could see you comparing, um, you know, what, you know, when you're thinking through about making a decision, you're, you're actually wondering, well, what does Jesus say about that, right? Like, uh, or you're, you're admitting, okay, yeah, in this case, I did not do what Jesus wanted me to do. Like, 
In other words, Jesus would become the guide and the filter for all our decisions, all our choices, all the way we do life, for our behavior, for our values, for our priorities, for our aims and ambitions. Jesus would be that. In other words, uh, you would get your information, your guidance and information about how to do life from Jesus, from his word. Um, and so if we want to live a Jesus-centered life, this is another key component of it. Uh, it means that our advice for life, our guidance for life, for decisions, for goals, uh, for motivations, for purposes and aims, for relationships, all of that, we're going to get all that reliable information on how to do that stuff from Jesus himself. From Jesus himself. We believe that he actually has the best information on that, that he's the smartest guy on that that he knows what's best. In fact, the Apostle Paul described Jesus as the treasure chest of wisdom and knowledge. And so we believe that as followers of Jesus, and thus we just arrange our life accordingly. And so where do we get our best information from life from? Well, if we're going to live a Jesus-centered life, it's going to come from Jesus. And we're going to evaluate all the other voices we hear in life, all the other stuff, uh, in light of what Jesus taught and what Jesus said, and what his apostles taught, what his word teaches. We're going to evaluate all the other voices according to that. We're going to make sure we carve out time to listen to Jesus' voice, because all these other voices are so loud. They're in our face all the time. So we're going to have to silence a bunch of those other voices and give space to listening to Jesus' teaching in his word. We're going to read it. We're going to think about it. We're going to meditate on it day and night. We're going to ponder it. We're going to picture our life, and what would it look like for us to live that out? We're going to get our advice, our wisdom, our guidance, and our information about life from Jesus himself. If we're going to live a Jesus-centered life, then that's the primary voice we're going to listen to. Now, before we leave that, let me just say this as a real encouragement. That's not going to happen on accident. That's going to have to be intentional, which means you're going to have to have a plan. Um, and my recommendation is what you need is a specific time, a specific place, and then a specific plan for engaging the Bible regularly. And studies have shown that people who do that, Christians who say they want to follow Jesus and who engage the Bible more often than not, their lives significantly are different than Christians who say they want to follow Jesus, but who rarely ever engage the Bible. So you've got to come up with a plan. It's going to take deliberate effort for you to listen to the voice of Jesus in his word and remain in his word so that you can know the truth and the truth can set you free. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I hope you have a wonderful week in Christ. I look forward to talking with you again next week.